Hello and welcome to the Counterpoint podcast. I'm Shubham Agarwal and we're discussing about new product development in this episode today. New product development is one of the most complex operating environments I think. Many companies struggle with huge delays, uh, poor predictability of due dates and an environment of extremely high stress. Companies have tried traditional approach project management without much success. Well this is because of a very high level of scope uncertainty, high variability of task durations and an inability to define capacity. Well critical chain project management was initially thought of as an uh, a solution for this environment but results are also not decisive. We have with us uh, Satyashree Mohanty today. He's a partner at uh, Vector Consulting Group who has been researching the topic for the last decade. As per him the original assumptions of ccpm or uh, critical chain project management does not hold good for new product and r&d environments so let us go deep into this and discuss with him the new approach that he wants to prescribe hi satya welcome to the counterpoint podcast once again let's let's uh, go straight into the topic and uh, i want to start by asking you what do you think is the problem of ccpm in managing new product and r&d projects So today's topic is about um, how do we redefine CCPM for uh, R&D projects. I'm sure uh, most of the practitioners out there would have seen seen a problem in their implementations. And the problem would be something like this when they open up the portfolio chart after uh, let's say you know one year of implementation if they go back to the site they won't be surprised to see a portfolio chart where almost every project is in red it's not just in red but if you extend the y axis to include uh, 150% buffer penetration you would see many projects out there it is not a rare thing to see after one or two years of um, implementation so many projects are are in red and we all know the sop says that if project is in red we need to take actions to bring the project back on track so what happens to be in such environments is uh, there are two ways to approach uh, the problem of reds one is the classical way where whenever a project is in red the first thing that we tell uh, our clients is take a buffer rec- recovery action right so every project review meeting ends with a buffer recovery action now just imagine when many projects are in red actually triggers expediting action across many projects which in turn leads to multitasking or worse people try to somehow show task closure even though it is not perfectly closed to to show some percentage completion so all this kind of stuff keeps on happening which actually puts more delays into the project and hence more reds so this is one one way people you know get into the vicious loop basically um you end up dismantling everything that you have implemented in terms of a stable priority Uh, system in terms of no multitasking in terms of full kit many such things starts uh, getting violated now there is another approach that people do when they look at the portfolio of projects and it's all red they say okay now let's let's try to clean it up so there is a, a dominant voice that will come up and say you know let's clean it up let's reschedule bring the every project back on uh, back to green but slowly and surely these the same project starts getting into red now once you start doing this rescheduling often actually the top management um, loses control uh, on 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 the project the project review meeting if you just reset the baseline they get a weak sense of uh, control okay 
And as a result, the review meeting itself becomes uh, ineffective. If you keep on rescheduling, the review meetings uh, loses their significance. And, and slowly, uh, you know, without a good review, projects can also get delayed and that also can contribute to, to the reds. So either way, if you see, uh, this kind of thing happens. And basically, if you see, what we have done here is the as-is environment has not really transformed to the new environment. It's just that the lingo has changed. Uh, the projects are delayed and in the older environment before CCBM also projects were delayed and people try to expedite it or, you know, people try to reschedule things. And that's, that's the typical uh, conflict that used to be there before the CCPM implementation. Right. So, Satya, why does this happen? As in, what is the real reason behind this? I want to uh, focus this discussion uh, on, on R&D environment itself. And my claim is that there are basic assumptions of the R&D environment which the CCPM is not able to meet, the original CCPM. And the starting point is the, is the objective itself. So if you look at the original CCPM for multi-project environments and if you go through the SNT, the objective stated was it was meant to deliver high on-time performance. And when I say high on-time performance, it is as per the originally planned date. It's not as per the revised latest revised date. Right, it's as per the original plan date. It is, it it promises very high level of uh, due date adherence, reliability around the the due date. Right, now, what does this imply? When you promise a due date, it just implies that the solution is actually very sensitive to the initial planning uh, and, and and the scheduling that you are doing. So that becomes very very critical. That the initial planning and scheduling has to be as close to the reality as possible okay it should not be way off the mark number two is um, just making a single project plan is not important and uh, the number two need is to ensure that all the queuing delays are accounted for uh, while setting the due dates and that's we all know is is the process called uh, pipelining where the projects are uh, pipeline based on a most cons uh, most constrained resource or 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 a virtual drum Right. Basically, the you know we stagger it and and get a due date. So that's that's the that's the end of planning where uh, we we get a valid date uh, for each of those projects. Now, once it is um, uh, once this planning exercise is done, uh, we tend to believe that this is a, a good job done, and hence the execution, the entire focus uh, shifts to subordinating to the date. Uh, that has been planned and that is how we will meet the on-time uh, performance. Now, what are the subordinating actions? The first is that the priorities has to be derived from the buffer colors. So, which means that if the buffer is red, which is a very high chance of uh, missing the date, right? And that takes precedence over yellow and, and the green colors. And the second is if, if the project uh, gets into red, one needs to do a special action, uh, expediting action is also technically allowed. And, and, and you do what is uh, known as a buffer recovery plan. So, you know, people who have done this would have seen how buffer recovery is done. So this becomes a very, very important part of the review meeting. Now, the assumption here is that we have done a very good uh, staggering, the pipelining, right? And uh, the scope of the project is very well defined. So these kind of recovery actions should not impact the, the entire uh, pipeline, right? And if you see, these uh, assumptions are borrowed heavily from the drum buffer rope uh, solution. Even if you look at drum buffer rope solution, what we try to do is in the planning, 
we try to solve the problem of due date quotation by trying to uh, resolve the um, load uh, on, on, on the bottleneck and uh, and that's how we get a valid uh, date. Yes, product mix can change and uh, for a changing product mix, there are better algorithms to account for that as well. But basically, uh, the aim is that during planning itself, uh, we have a capability to give what is known as a reliable uh, due date. And once that is set in execution, we focus on uh, the color priorities and try to take actions to ensure that the so-called reds do not um, miss the due dates. Now, that's that's what is uh, borrowed from DBR. Now, what are the assumptions in the DBR environment? One is that all the potential bottlenecks, they are dominant. Okay, even if the product mix changes, we know where the new constraint is going to be. And more important, it, it stays stable at that place, right? And the other important assumption is that not only the touch time is insignificant portion of the lead time, but the touch time also stays uh, stable. It's, it's not that, you know, you, you, you plan for X work and it becomes 2X during execution. It is unheard of in, in any uh, DBR environment. Now, coming back, let's, let's check what is the implicit uh, assumption since we are borrowed from the um, uh, from the environment of dbr there is also an implicit assumption ccpm does recognize that the touch time is is very high and that's why it differentiates uh, tasks from from a project buffer which dbr does not dbr just puts entire thing as as just the buffer so here it does recognize that the touch time is high and that's a need of having a, a project buffer which is segregated from the task times but it also assumes that the the touch time itself uh, will stay fairly fairly stable throughout the execution okay and that's that's a big uh, question mark so because of this assumption uh, we believe that during the initiation of the project we can do a very good work of 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 planning because the scope is very well understood and and the dependencies are also very well understood and that's that's the real question mark if you look at every R&D project, and this is, if you look at R&D project, it goes through various phases. Each phase, if you see, there is always a, a check on what work we have done and is it right or wrong. It goes through some kind of a, um, I would say, a testing. For example, uh, once the concept is finalized, you go through what is known as a concept validation, right, where people run simulations and so on and so forth. Uh, there is something called a product uh, validation. People after making the product, they check that does the product meets uh, the, the functional expectations and then you go for a process validation whether you can produce the product and then um, also goes for production uh, validation which says can you produce in the, in the required uh, quantities uh, while maintaining the efficiencies. If you see each one of this is actually a question mark. And uh, end of this, each of this time, it, it, it opens up a topic. Uh, it, it can lead to, to rework uh, cycles. That means the scope itself undergoes a change. Now, many environments have uh, these kind of gates at a project level. But even in a large project, while you are making drawings, you're, you're, while you are even making concept uh, around, uh, let's say, a small portion of the project, you might be going ahead and trying to test what is it all about? Is it really right? Did I go in the right direction? So this this kind of a questioning actually creates um, an environment where there are there are two uh, uh, wastages, right? The one wastage is what is typically you know called the uh, I would say a type one wastage, which is which is basically uh, 
the all the wastages related to expediting uh, you know missing out on the full kitting multitasking this is what is called a type 1 wastages but there is something called a type 2 uh, which is not really a waste it is actually a value added rework which comes from answering these questions is my concept okay is my product okay is my process okay is my production efficiency okay right all these kind of questions Uh, the answers to that is 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 provided through these uh, uh, phases in the project and whenever i try to answer this um I, i i get new knowledge and this new knowledge actually leads to rework and it is not a uh, wastage it is it is actually a value adding rework every time i test a prototype i learn five six things that failed and that gives me a feedback loop and i try to you know redo things so this is where the the scope when particularly when you are trying to initiate the project uh, up in the beginning you can never be sure about the entire scope of the of the project right and this is where i would say that the the scope variability is extremely high uh, for the for the r&d r&d projects right now very important part for us is now to recognize that that the scope variability is is part of uh, r&d projects is to first accept it because once we accept it then we can you know create a, a a great solution so basically when we say scope uncertainty is very high which means that the initial baseline that we have set for the project it will undergo a change okay and which also implies that because of this high scope variability that the bottleneck resolution that i try to do during pipelining it's a big suspect because if the scope changes the so called leveling of the load that i have i have done uh, it 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 might be wrong okay so also the other thing uh, that has to be we have to be careful that you know when we are talking about cutting things by half uh, we 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 don't know what we are really cutting right when we say we cutting things by half we are actually trying to kill the student syndrome Uh, and and so wasteful students you know we try to do that right in the planning phase itself when we try to cut the duration by half but when you don't know uh, what this the entire scope what you you don't know what you are really cutting and and that uh, really creates what we uh, call as a you know procrustes uh, syndrome procrustes if you know is a mythical uh, bandit uh, who had a, you know a cord of a particular size so every time he used to uh, get a passer by in 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 the jungle uh, where he used to you know hide behind every time he saw a traveler uh, he used to capture him and 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 try to fit him in the bed if the person uh, the the you know the height of the person was lesser than the bed he would stretch him out right and and kill him by just stretching him out to meet the ends of the bed and if the person happens to be taller right he would chop off uh, the person to accommodate the bed so you know this is a good metaphor for trying to uh, trying to understand what happens when we try to allocate a task to uh, you know durations to tasks so either you will be too less which uh, you know your durations is too less then you can have people chopping things off to so progress right which is bad or if that if the duration is too high you have the the impact of work expansion behavior which is called student syndrome or or the parkinson's effect right so so that's why the the entire thing of trying to take a task and cut it by half it it doesn't play play out right uh, because you don't know what you are really really cutting and um, so basically as i said the uh, all this that we are trying to do trying to achieve during planning is all, 
trying to achieve a very high on time performance and hence the solution is very planning heavy it's very very scheduling sensitive right now if if you want to accept the fact that that the initial plan made is going to be highly variable then actually we end up questioning the very objective itself that should on time performance be the objective of multi project uh, environment right uh, so here uh, what i am proposing is because if you accept that um, scope variability is going to be uh, going to be high and it is going to happen throughout the project and it's it's very difficult to define where all it will it will hit you it is better to set another assumption which is not around uh, due date but the other assumption that we can uh, other objective that we can put forward is the objective of lower lead time of all the projects right the objective of now uh, ccp implementation in r and d environment should be lower lead times for all the uh, projects or in other uh, ways we can say we want higher output of projects from a given set of resources now when you give this as an objective there are implications right what are the implications the first thing is we now suddenly are not uh, so sensitive about how well we have uh, we have made a plan we are not sensitive about how well we have uh, done the pipe planning but yes we got to do everything possible to cut out the wastages of time and capacity that happens all the wasteful behavior has to be cut out from the system so the important point is that right now we subordinate to the export resources which is typically the the constant in most of the r and d environments you will have those 10 15 guys uh, who are really the expert who everybody looks around for whenever there is a trouble so look at those expert resources and say that these are the guys who will uh, who kind of control the the output of the of the system so important is to ensure that these expert resources are not multitasking okay and also to understand that since um, planning and scheduling is not going to take us anywhere we have to give it up as a method to avoid uh, multitasking we can't pipeline projects and and, and ensure that uh, the load is uh, maintained um, we we can't uh, run a critical chain schedule which staggers the uh, uh, resources during the single project planning and expect multitasking to be to be to be cut off what is really required is a, a wip control system a rule of one out versus one in that has to be done at a project level and at times not just at a project level but at a task level as well so those kind of rules uh, are are very important and if you see those are very execution driven rules that what happens in execution we implement this kind of a pull solution to to control the um, the bad uh, multitasking um, also it's very important to understand that uh, the um, the original planned due date can change so the longest path can also change right so when you have that we now need to understand that the priority cannot be based on the buffer status right because we don't know what plan we have made it can undergo a change so we cannot take the buffer signals as as, as the as the real real signal it so we, otherwise we will end up making a, a mistake whatever we thought as the longest path right now and if we de- uh, decide to subordinate we might end up and in hindsight we found out that subordination decision was not correct right so it's very very important that the so called additional priority system around longest path we need to be 
very careful uh, for that right uh, so it's very important right that we use token systems uh, for priority which means tokens of what is the number one priority what is the number two priority what is the number three priority use the token system rather than the buffer signal as a way to decide priority of projects okay and 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 the token system is also inherited by by the task um, and also very important to understand is that uh, you know a lot of uh, ccpm softwares uh, they try to optimize uh, around the longest path now the longest path algorithm right that's an added algorithm that people try to build in to create uh, task level priorities uh, as as different from uh, uh, project level uh, priorities now that's that's a, com a complication which is not required and at times it it can be damaging so i just want to uh, show you an example how the longest path first algo can be devastating for a multi project environment so let's let's look at an example here so let's let's look at a project which has got uh, three tasks here task a b and and, and c sure uh, so sadhya before we go just for the listeners a quick message I would request everyone to refer to the presentation that we have attached uh, in the details to this episode. You can find the link there, and uh, you can uh, run it while Satya is uh, explaining the entire thing. You'll be able to understand and relate to it much better what Satya is talking about. Yes, Satya, please, please continue. We look at this lead time, and we feel that we are not happy with this lead time. A plus B plus C, we are not happy with the lead time. So somebody closely examines the task A. and finds out that actually task a can be split into task um, a dash and a double dash now here the color of the task uh, represents what kind of resources are being used so a requires blue resource um, b requires green and c requires the orange resource now here so i found out that after you know innovating with uh, with people that actually it is not that the task a has to be fully complete for task b to start in fact i can do a part of the task a which is called task a prime okay and after that i can task b can start and a double dash is required uh, when task c is initiated so wow based on this thinking i can actually in the planning stage i can uh, reduce the cycle time that's that's great but very interesting to see here that the resource here which is doing the the blue resource which is doing the task a suddenly now has a window of opportunity what is the window of opportunity after he completes task a dash a prime should he continue to do a double dash i think the answer is no because it will be a waste of capacity right in a multi project environment he can afford to do to delay the start of a double prime right the way to do it is that this window of opportunity can be used actually to do another project so let's see so this window of opportunity which is uh, you know we we getting a feeder path created so we have this window of opportunity i can take up uh, another a dash task of another similar project which is project uh, uh, project 2 so all, along the longest path of project 2 i can pick up uh, task a prime for project 2 as well now look at this what has happened when i stopped uh, working from project 1 and shifted to project 2 okay and i completed in that uh, window of opportunity the the task of project 2 but what has happened is that the window of opportunity for project 1 that means the time available to come back to project 1 has reduced now what do i do when i get project 3 if the longest path first algorithm runs then actually project 3 also i should uh, you know take up the the longest path task 
which is again the task A. If I keep on doing like that, right? If I keep on doing like that, you will find out that the LP, uh, yeah, you, if you keep on doing that, you will find out that you have delayed the, uh, the, uh, the project one. Basically, suddenly this way of switching across longest path of many projects and opening many projects out can create an environment where you get into a complete desync, right? You, uh, you, you start, uh, you know, getting into a multitasking where everybody is uh, kind of shouting uh, because their feeder chains are, are, are getting delayed because you picked up the longest path and you left the feeder path of the first uh, project. So you went to the longest path of the second one, longest part of the third one, longest path of the fourth one. And by the time the first one has become critical. So you, you're not coming back at the, at, the, at the project at the right time. So this is what I wanted to show you. The limitation of a longest path first algorithm in a multi-project environment. Okay. So, so if you see here, um, what we need to do here is get out of this so-called... Uh, task level uh, priorities, um, focus on a project level priorities and uh, have WIP controls, which is a predominant uh, way of uh, controlling the uh, execution. And that is how we will control the multitasking. Uh, now, so then it opens up a fundamental question, then what is the role of planning? What is planning meant for? Actually, the role of planning is to provide a good and a predictable predictability of project completion date during the course of the execution. At any point of time, planning should be able to answer the question, okay, based on the today's information, tell us where this project will end at, right? And that's it. That's the only role. It is a good enough estimate at any point of time when this project is going to get complete. It is not cast in con concrete, okay? It can be in a range. For example, um, you know, we, we, we are trying to... Uh, we are we are doing a currently a project with a uh, with a biosimilar where you know project durations uh, can be as high as a biosimilar product in in pharma industry the duration of new product development can be as high as you know 6 7 years so what do you mean by a due date uh, uh, performance are we really talking about the date right we can say you know around this quarter we can end and that's that's good enough uh, for many environments in many environments it's good enough to say you know my project is going to end somewhere around uh, you know this this month okay this quarter this month it's 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 good enough right and that's the estimation is required and it is an estimation the latest prediction right but it is not a commitment it is not something that one should uh, subordinate to. One should not just expedite or recover buffer to meet that because once you do that, you set up a trigger of uh, bad multitasking all throughout. Okay. So basically what we are saying is no single project expediting based on project buffer status. So what should project review then focus on? Because the, the, the baselines are, are now gone because the baseline keeps on changing. What should you focus when you are looking at a project review? So basically you have to be very careful when you're doing a single project review because a single project review can be a local optima where you're trying to expedite a project. So very important to look at is first is in the pipeline, where are my multi-project queuing, right? That's, that's a very important question and try to see where we, I can uh, resolve. Where are my traffic jams? Like, like when you open up the Google maps, you've got to see where are those red points where, where jamming is happening and, and you resolve those jamming you help all the projects, right? So that's that's the first view, which is a project agnostic view and, and you take a pipeline view. And the second, the view that you take for the project is about issue resolution, right? 
what is the current issue that is holding the progress uh, of 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 the project right you the you focus on resolving that so you have all the processes you have the full kitting you have your daily management uh, you have um, the gate uh, the gates uh, uh, the gate uh, me- meetings you have very good issue resolution so what you get as a date from from the uh, planning process is the latest estimate of how well you have done all these processes right and that's that's the only thing that you can do you can cut out the wastages you cannot cut out the touch time you cannot cut out the value adding rework it is you should not cut it out right so what you can only do is cut down the wastages right so also very very important to stop using fever charts and um, because the fever chart can can create a, it is a very beautiful glass, graphical interface it's a very good visualization of the data but it's it's i i feel it's uh, it's it's uh, damaging when you try to use it for uh, review meetings in in r and d environment it it can trigger lot of wrong uh, actions right and and more important stop using uh, colors for buffer status understanding for task priorities use the uh, the token system so basically what we have done here is try to move a lot of the problem solving into the execution phase if you see uh, all the toc solutions solves part of the problem in planning right and part of the problem in execution so here we are trying to solve almost all the problems in in execution the problems of uh, the the bad the wasteful behavior multitasking or um, student syndrome uh, you know working without full kits all those uh, things we are trying to solve in execution what we are trying to do in planning is just trying to give a good enough predictability and it's a predictability as of now okay and uh, and and we give a predictability around a range of uh, dates that this is the best we can do now uh, what happens is what we have seen in implementation is that once you do the implementation and do lot of improvement projects around the areas where uh, you know the maximum um, wasteful rework is happening or around areas where uh, Uh, you know queuings are happening you try to improve the predictability over a period of time and what is the predictability that you improve to you improve it around a range for example a, a one year project you can improve the predictability around let's say you know two three months or or a, on a multi year project maybe improve predictability around a around a quarter and that's what is this solution um, all about okay and i think it is much much simpler to implement and it 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 does not become a a planning heavy uh, solution it becomes a execution heavy uh, solution after doing this uh, new approach and um, our experience is almost every r&d environment we are able to meet the objective of getting the output up getting the lead times uh, down getting the chaos out of the system getting the wasteful rework out of the out of the system and we are improving the predictability over the period of time so if you ask me did you um, deliver all the projects as per the date the answer is no and i would like to say that that is not the failure because that was never the objective in the first place great that was a wonderful discussion satya thanks for a quick capsule on uh, new product development and what is the new approach that we can use uh, for everyone uh, who's listening uh, if you have any questions or concerns like always you can write to us on our social media handles or you can write to us on our website the link is once again in the details uh, until then this is shubham signing off bye bye